This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey guys, here's a message from one of our partners, SpiderVPN. As we all know, browsing the internet can be full of hidden dangers and snoopers, but you can easily protect yourself and at the same time get access to all your favourite websites and streams by using SpiderVPN. They have some amazing offers right now and have come highly recommended. Check them out at spidervpn.org and uh, get yourself some great offers now. And don't forget to mention Dazzling Dave or Always Wolves to get yourself a real nice discount. That's spidervpn.org. Good evening, good evening everyone and welcome to what is an absolutely fantastical special show tonight. Uh, myself, Manny, hi, how are you today? How you doing everybody? I'm fine, thank you very much. Fantastic. And Paula, you will often see on Extra Time. Are you right, Paul? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, evening, everybody. Uh, so my co-host tonight, and we're joined by a very special uh, person tonight. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Tim Spears. Many of you will remember Tim from all the coverage he gave at the uh, the local Express and Star. And a couple of years ago, moved over to The Athletic, and he's the uh, official Wolves Athletic correspondent. Uh, Tim, good evening to you. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. No, thank you so much for uh, for making your debut. I think because we've got loads to get stuck into, Tim, um, and obviously myself, Manny, and Paul will be uh, sending some questions over to you. But we've got loads to get stuck into. Um, but before we get onto that, obviously, can you explain to everyone the difference between what you were doing at the Express and Star and and how the Athletic is different? Blimey. Um... Yeah, well, the athletic sort of takes a different a different approach to journalism, I guess. Um, a bit of a of a of a of a wider view, um, analytical view. You know, the Express and Star and all you know the excellent local papers that are out there kind of cover every coffin spit of the club. You know, it's match reports, player ratings, press conferences, contracts extensions, injury news. It's like it's it's everything. It's 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 full on. Like it's an amazing job. I absolutely loved it. Um, 
I didn't I didn't um I didn't want to do it forever because it's you know it's it's massively time consuming. Um and yeah, the athletic, it's like I said, it's a bit a bit more of a step back, really. You know, we aim to do sort of two, three or four sort of you know big reads every, every week and take a look at a particular issue. Um, our sort of bread and butter is to take like an analytical look at every aspect of the club, <clears throat> produce pieces that are a bit more timeless, really. You know, like a profile of Raul Jimenez's career or a report on how the players recover from injuries, you know, so that you're not just reading it on one day and then the next day it's old news. You know, it's something that you might be able to read for a few months or even years, you know, down the line. So, yeah, we look at features, interviews, reports, investigations, and just try and inform um, and tell the reader something they didn't know, you know, before they started reading that piece. That's the kind of aim of it, really, whether that's some kind of um, some um, off-the-record info or some kind of st- 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 a statistic maybe that people don't know, or looking at um, Matt Jackson's loan job this week. I spent I spent um, most of a day with Matt Jackson last week, and, and yeah, fantastic access. The club are extremely helpful in that regard, and um, and so yeah, the longer word count as well kind of allows you to sort of entertain as well if you can the reader. So it's still a really young company. I appreciate people might not know a lot about it yet. It's only been going for six years, three years in the UK. Um, but even if you don't like what I write, some of the stuff on there is absolutely astonishing. You know, it's, it's like it's it's the best journalism I've ever, I've ever read. So, yeah, I'd encourage everyone to, to give it a go, certainly. Well, I'm a subscriber of the uh, of the Athletic, Tim, and I read uh, most of your pieces. Uh, and it's just brilliant to give everyone a bit of a, a background. So, you know, you I think uh, you just drop on the Athletic website and you could, there's different offers on there if people want to get involved with, uh, with that. But... It's certainly very, very interesting. In fact, um, like today, the uh, the financials came out uh, today uh, on Wolves. We're going to get stuck into that. Before we get started, um, just get a bit of background, just get a little bit of overall thoughts from uh, Manny and Paul on, and then to yourself, on um, starting with yourself first, Manny, on how you yep. think the season's gone so far. Season, to be honest, it's we, we seem to be stuck. I think we've done really well over overall. You know where we are uh, is probably higher than what most people expected us to be. But I think the one frustrating thing is we seem to be flitting from styles of playing. How do we want to play? Um, you know we've had some really good in-your-face front-foot um, performances where we've created lots of chances, failed to score, and then we've had almost you know, back to the bad old days of the last few months of like Nuno's reign where we're, we're sitting back and just inviting pressure and, and, and hanging on and, and hoping our goalkeeper and defence, which they have saved us. And, um, you know, particularly with if you if you looked at the last two games, you know, the lineup it sort of summed up the season for me. You know, we had a, a lineup that surprised everybody at West Ham and, and the match against... Arsenal, again, we went 1-0 up and we just went back into our shells. We found it hard to get out. We found it hard to retain the ball. I feel like our midfielders have played further forward this season, but then in some games they've been sitting on top of the defence again. So I still think, you know, he's only 26 games into his career at Wolves. You know, Bruno Large, that's not a huge amount of time. And I think he's still finding his way and whether that's having the right personnel in the long term, you know, bringing a different type of player in to play the way he wants to in the, in the summer. I don't know, but at the moment I'm happy with the performance and the position and, 
that we've been challenging for. You know, we've been dreaming a top four. Let's be honest, that's a bit of a pipe dream and, and we, we can all have those dreams. You know, that's a real big step to take. I still think we've got a chance to get into seventh, maybe sixth, you know, at a chance. We've got a good run of matches. So, really positive. Yeah, yeah. Dreaming is for free money. And Paul, um, been to a couple of away games with you. The, the most recent one, West Ham away at the weekend. Um, what's your take on the season so far? I think this could probably be quite interesting insight as well for Tim, obviously, as well. Yeah, Manny summed it up really well. Um, what I'll add to that is this time last week, well, about half past eight last Thursday, we were fifth. And if someone had said that to you in August, you'd have been astonished that that would have been the case. So then the first thing that I want to say is that I'm really grateful <clears throat> that our team are actually in the hunt and even been talked about as a potential Champions League contender. It's incredible, really. Manny made a great point about Bruno being new to the Premier League. You wouldn't really say he's an experienced manager. So I think that means you are going to see fluctuations. It's a bit of trial and error. He hasn't really made wholesale changes for a Premier League match like he did against West Ham. But I don't think he'll be doing that again anytime soon, given how flat the performance was. So overall, I'm delighted with our points haul. Um, our defence has been one of the best in Europe. And that's the, that's the bedrock of what you build a successful team on. However, we must admit that at times it is frustrating, particularly uh, to name a few matches, Norwich away, <clears throat> Crystal Palace away, Norwich at home in the Cup, West Ham, where we often see plenty of the ball, but there's just no, no real sting in the tail in the final third. And can you imagine if we'd got a striker who was on 10 goals, a wide forward who was on five or six goals, we would be fourth or third even, maybe. No, it's just tinged with that little bit of frustration that what could have been. But on the whole, I'm delighted and I'm really excited about March coming up. Well, that's fantastic. And and, and thanks for that, guys, because I think that's really interesting. I think, obviously, there's lots of different opinions in regards to Wolves. When we're winning, everything's great. When, when we don't win, there can be sometimes <clears throat> a bit of a meltdown, especially uh, over on Twitter. Tim, obviously you're a you're a born and bred Wolves fan as well, reporting on the Wolves. Probably a bit of both frustration for you because at times you want to really celebrate and like a fan, but obviously you're there to do a job. I mean, from following Wolves this season and obviously the change to Bruno Large and how we started, what's your general take and feeling on the season up until this point? I think you've got to take yourselves back to June, really, when he was appointed and, and nobody really knew who this guy was. And even if you did know how who he was, you had no idea how he was going to do in the Premier League. You know, his, his only previous job was at Benfica. And I think it's important to state, you know, Benfica's his club. You know, he'd been there more than a decade. <clears throat> he knew it inside out. So I'm not saying it was easy by any means when he came in, but it helped that he knew the players, he knew the league, it was his country. So I think for him to come to the Premier League, I know he's been an assistant over here before, Nobody knew how he was going to do. And I think most fans would have accepted just progress this year. You know, up from 13th, back towards mid-table and, and looking up. So to get them where they are right now, it's a massive achievement. But on the other hand, I would say the players that they've got, 
this is about their level, in my opinion, and that's been proved historically with two seventh-place finishes, a Europa League quarter-final, and being sixth in the table last season before when Jimenez suffered his injury, which set along you know a chain of events that really derailed them. So sixth, seventh, eighth is where this group is at, in my opinion. But I am surprised and really pleased for Bruno Lars that he's managed to sort of re-energise them so quickly. And I think re-energised is probably the correct word, really, when you speak to the players... Um, and how they've responded to him tactically and him as a person. You know, he's he's very different to Nuno. And also, you've got to remember, on May or whatever it was last year, when when um, when they were losing to Man United on the last day, and you've got people in tears in the stands. Mm-hmm. You've got staff giving Nuno a guard of honour in tears. You've got players in tears, and you've got Nuno's, Nuno's in tears. And I remember sat there thinking, who on earth is going to follow mm-hmm. this guy? And yeah. what a job they've got on their hands. But I think yeah. the fact that he's so different to Nuno, you know, Nuno was very sort of lovable and, and he was arm around the shoulder and charismatic and the players loved that side of him. And, you know, he could always get a result out of him. Nuno, Bruno, sorry, is is very is very much um, tactic, tactically focused. You know, the guy's written books on tactics. He He's very intelligent. And um, everything I've heard from players and from staff is that you won't find a harder working manager than him. I mean, he's there all hours of every day. He's got a very diligent and detailed backroom team. And I think his tactical approach, you know, we've seen it just in the past few weeks, Ralph Rangnick and Antonio Conte have both had to change their formations during the game to adapt to what Wolves are doing. So Manny rightly makes the point about, um, you know, they're a bit different from one week to the next. I think he Mm. sets out individual game plans for each game. And the other thing I'd say for Bruno is that this is not his squad. And these are not the tactics that he wants to play because we saw in pre-season what he really wants to do, which was a much higher line. It was very mm. intense. It was very attacking. Remember those first three games of the season? Oh, that's what that's what he wants to do. But what he's done intelligently, in my view, is take a look at the squad and think, hang on, these guys aren't suited to what I want to do right now. So he's gone for a sort of a hybrid approach and it's worked. it's worked really well. But I think um, I'm really excited to see what he does next season. You know, after another summer of recruitment, a full a full preseason with new players, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and new tactics. I know he wants to play four at the back. He doesn't feel able to do that at the moment. So, Tim, one of the questions from um, from a caller called Jeff said, "Are we likely to see Bruno still looking to play with his preferred back four? Do you think he'll stick with the system? From what you're saying, you think that is where he's heading? Yeah, he, I, I think." When he came in, he wanted to play uh, two formations this season, um, either three four three or three five two, and four two three one. That's what he. That's what he came in with the aim of doing, but didn't feel he had the players to do that. And recruitment wasn't, you know, wasn't a high turnover recruitment in the summer. So um, he wants to play two formations, one of which would be four two three one. Um, and you can see with the attacking talent they've got that that they would be suited to that. Um, but defensively, I don't think the personnel are there right now. And interestingly, even said after West Ham, um, I asked him about, um, you know, wh- wh- why did you struggle to create chances today? You know, you had 14 shots, 60% possession of the ball. Why, why did you really create, you know, no chances? And he said, um, I've, I can only work with the profile of players that I've got. Mm. So, you know, a lot of the players mm. in this squad were brought in for 3-4-3, three, um, wingers that go wide that don't naturally come inside and I think he wants a dynamic midfielder and I think he wants quick defenders to play with a high press 
So that, a lot of those things just aren't at his disposal right now. So considering all that, I honestly think he's done a fantastic job. And having I haven't met him much because of COVID, but having you know spoke to him a lot in press conferences, I'm really impressed with his manner. Um, clearly a very intelligent man and um, someone who's thinking long term as well as short term. Tim, you know, you asked, uh, you just talked about his formation and um, Bruno candidly and sometimes, you know, you probably think, why has he said that? Has said almost like Mini had a go um, uh, Fosen maybe for not giving him all the players that he wants. And is that his frustration or is he being held back or um, has he, did he expect to get more players in? Boy, now to play the way he, he wants to play. Or... I think I think I think he, he wanted more players in. I would yeah. say that no, no head coach has the perfect squad, and that they always want more more players. Um, and I, I I doubt we'll see much more of that from Bruno. I think I think you know obviously I follow every press conference yeah. closely, and right at the start of January he said on the eve of the window I want um, a defender, a, a winger, winger. Yeah. and a striker this window, yeah. and a week later the same question put to him and, and he just went completely, you know, oh, well, you know, we'll try and do what we can. I think it was very obvious that, that someone had had a word in between those. Um, but to be fair, you know, you don't want to be airing your, your dirty linen in public. It's, it's not a good look. I thought it was a really bad look for the club on the eve of the window to be kind of making these, these, these demands. It doesn't really, doesn't really do much good for him or Fosun or for the club. So it's always better. These things are sort of behind closed doors. It's great for the fans to hear you know, what positions he wants to strengthen and, and, and whatever. But I don't think we'll see much of that in the future. There was a definite shift towards the end of January and, and he kept pretty quiet then. What's the relationship like then with him and the board? If he has said those little snippets, is there frustration? Is there a little bit of, you know, when you employ a new manager, a manager at an interview stage will probably say, this is why, this is my vision. This is the way I want to play. This is how I see it. And obviously if that's, not matched straight away, well, not straight away, but in the way he probably hoped that it would have been matched. Is his relationship good and strong? Do you see that? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I certainly think that the relationship is positive. Um, Scott Sellers, obviously, in the middle of that, has got a really important job. You know, sort of Kevin Thelwell in between in between Nuno and Jeff Shee, you can't underestimate that, that role, really, because mm -hmm. there's going to be demands from one and, and pushback from the other. So you need someone in the middle, Scott Sellers has got a really important job there. So yeah, in terms of um, in, in terms of recruitment, I mean, I, I don't think he'd be happy with, with what he got in January because the defender who came in was was it was ultimately Totti Gomez, who's yep. who's now back in the twenty threes. The winger who came in was Chiquinho, who's now back in the twenty threes, and um, and there was no striker. So, I, but on the other hand, you know, Scott Sellers or Jeff or whoever would say, well, you've got five or six players who are out injured then who are now all back in the squad, including Johnny and Neto, of course. So um, so there's, I think the squad looks great right now in terms of numbers, um, leaving senior players off the bench. But in terms of the players Bruno wants, it's not quite there yet. Having said all that, we all know January is a horrible month to buy. And, and That's what I was going to say. January is a difficult month. I know there's a lot of Wolves fans that were disappointed, uh, but I think there was nine other Premier League clubs that didn't do any business at all. Ask West Ham fans, Dave. They're, they're absolutely, they didn't, you know, they, they've got one striker on their books, haven't they, Antonio? He gets injured. They're in like a Raul situation. And it was there. exactly like, yeah. um, like yeah. a Raul thing. And yeah. to, to, to be fair, you know, we had a very good January and I think had we had a poor January, that would have been exasperated. And Paul, feel free to jump in with any questions that you have. But whilst we're on, on uh, we're talking about this. 
the financial report has come out for Wolves today. They've um, said they've obviously made a, an 18.5 million pound profit. I think it's fair to say that the uh, the accounts are slightly skewed uh, because obviously some of the Premier League games were played after the financial end of of of, uh, of May. Um, but Fosen have said to have capitalised and transformed 126.5 million of shareholder loans into equity, as they already own Wolves in its entirety. Do you know how this works? Is it a big get- gesture from uh, Fosan, or, or does it just take as as, as Twitter says, explain in football terms? <laughs> yeah. So uh, is it so that Wolves can borrow more money? I mean, I mean, we are delving into financial stuff, so it's probably. Uh, a bit of a deep question, Tim, but I don't know what your take is on that. Yeah, I'm I'm no, I'm no accountant, Dave, but I but obviously you know I look I look at the accounts every year and I've done since sort of 2015, so I, I can read the basics. And then uh, we've got Matt Slato, who's our financial expert at the Athletic, who's uh, taught me through a bit of it, and uh, and just from speaking to people at the club as well, it's 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 not a big deal really, and 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 I don't think the club would make a big deal out of it to be honest. You know the fact that this. Um, this money, which was interest-free, you know, a loan from Fosun to the club of 120 odd million, interest-free. They weren't asking for it to be paid back, and it's now been transferred into equity. And I'm told this is very common um, in football business terms. Nottingham Forest did, did the same thing this this week, apparently. So it, it, the the accounts look a lot better for it because in terms of money owed, that's now um, 126 million pound less, and um, and the accounts look pretty healthy to me. You know, considering. We had um, we had Matt Wilde on um, on the podcast that me and Jackie Oatley used to do last um, February, and he was telling us about you know the many problems a club will have during the pandemic, and 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 he said basically we're planning for a worst case scenario. We're planning for no fans all season. We're planning you know TV money maybe not coming in. Planning for worst case, and then any bonuses you get are great. So I think that's what they've done. It's very shrewd, obviously financial planning and. Um, I guess the easiest marker really is to compare them to other clubs. And I think Villa Villa made a 30-odd million loss. Leicester made a loss. Arsenal made a loss, about 120 million. Um, I mean, Villa's, cumul- Villa's cumulative losses now are approaching 600 million. Which 600 is, million? Which is yeah. not, not this year, cumulatively over many years, which is only behind Man City and Chelsea. So, you know... Fair play to them. They've gone down a very different route. But if Villa were to somehow get relegated, you know, they would be in absolute trouble. world of trouble. Whereas Wolves are on a safe, sound financial footing and um, they've made a small profit and things things look very good for them. Um, and I know that, that fans will come back and say, well, that, that means that they could have spent another 50 million last summer and, and, and gone slightly into the red over the year. Um it's, 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 not, it's not really for us or anyone to tell them how to run the business. But I think the way that they are running the business is putting Wolves on a very sound financial footing. The argument then comes, yeah, how much should they be spending? But um, but I think first and foremost, they've got the house in order and they're clearly still looking for the long term um, in everything that they do. And they state that in the accounts as well, you know, just how they're searching for European football, um, but they're not going to put the club's financial future at risk. Fantastic. And Paul, have you got anything that you'd want to come in with on, on that point? I think that makes a lot of sense about them being quite cautious We've seen other clubs really struggle, really struggle. If you think back a few years, the likes of Leeds and Portsmouth, we'd never want to put ourselves in that kind of position. But at the same time, you can say, you know, we've been so close, we finished seventh on two occasions. We're in a great position this season. If we speculate to accumulate a bit more, could that 
lead us to take that next step. But I think overall you have to be appreciative that the owners do seem to have the club's best interests at heart. And also the fact that they're not after just a quick fix. They're on after year-on-year growth, which I think stands the club in really good stead moving forwards. What I would what I would say, Dave, again, just, just look at the numbers today, just to put in context where Wolves are really, just in terms of revenue, so how much money that they're bringing in. They're about the same as Villa. I think Wolves were £190 million revenue. Villa were about 180 Leicester were then at 220 but you've got an FA Cup win in there, and obviously Leicester are very, very well-established Premier League winners, etc. 220 Then you get to Arsenal, you're looking more at sort of 380 million revenues for one year. So yeah. that's more than double Wolves. And Liverpool then go into sort of 400, 500 million range. You know, for Wolves to be competing with Arsenal and losing to a 96-minute goal, you just I think you've just got to take a step back sometimes and put it in perspective, the teams that, that they're trying to chase and, and also that they're trying to do it in a self-sustainable way. So, 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 how are Wolves going to how are Wolves going to make money to compete with Arsenal? You know, when you look at how much money they make from their stadium, etc., they're trying to do it a different way with esports, with fashion, music as well. It's a very different route um, outside mm-hmm. investment from America. It's a long term view that's going to take a few years to sort of bear fruit, really. But I think I think you know when when fans are rightly are rightly moaning about defeats and wanting the team to push on, you've got to you've got to look at who they're competing with to get up to that level, Arsenal earning double the money that Wolves do. And then and then you look at teams like Everton and Villa and Newcastle and spending so, so much money, you know, to try and compete Wolves. And, and Wolves, are, Wolves are beating them all at the moment. So I, I, I hate to kind of come on and beat the drum, but, but it, I, I just, I, I like to put things in perspective, really. You know, they're, they're doing a good job. Have you, have you sensed, since Fosun came into the club and this big hoo-ha, Chinese owners, billionaires... You know, the, one of the richest owners in, in, in the Premier League took us up in the Championship. We're going to be the next Man City. There's all this talk, wasn't there? There was all this hoo-ha, maybe from the fans, maybe from Jeff a little bit as well, you know, uh, uh, initially. So have you uh, noticed a slight change of approach, like this slow and steady stepping stone growth approach? Yeah, a, a big change. It's sort of in 2019, you know, Jeff, Jeff she doesn't, doesn't do many interviews, and, and when he does, it's because he's got something to say. And in 2019, he spoke to the Financial Times and and kind of, yeah, set out this new approach that they want to be self-sustainable. They want outside investment to help, which which took almost three years, you know, to come with, with this announcement with Peak Six that people might remember um, sort of later, later last year. So, yeah, I, th- I think I think they, they would probably regret sort of saying that when they came in, that we want to be Man City in 10 years because um, it comes back to bite them, doesn't it, obviously? Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely a longer term view. They want the academy to to be self sustainable. They want the first team to be self sustainable. Um, and we've also seen an approach, a change in approach, Manny, yeah. that year with the stadium because they came out in yeah. May of that year right. with these unbelievable Molyneux plans. You know, the the, the vision that mm-hmm. Laurie Dalrymple presented at the end of season awards that year of how Molyneux might look in the future. And you know, a golden walkway. Yeah, honestly, a golden walkway from walkway, the, yeah. to the <laughs> stadium right. and hotels and restaurants and casinos. Mm. And 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 Dalrymple went on record and said, "We want Molyneux to be a 365 day a year stadium. You know, mm. for people for people to come to and for obviously the club to make money constantly." I'll That's tell you what, changed since then, and, and partly to do with the pandemic, but also I think that 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 they realise if they spend hundreds and hundreds of millions on the stadium. 
Um, it's going to take an awful long time to, to earn their money back on that. And at the end of the day, they're an investment company. I'll tell, tell you what, Tim, because this is one of the questions that have been brought up. And uh, the, the other one is on the financial is about Fosens, have they backed off? But let's get, let's just, whilst you brought that up on Molyneux, obviously you were right. We had this beautiful golden vision of Molyneux. Um, that we were going to do. There was the obviously the, the the discussions with the council, and obviously most of the fan base want to see Molyneux stay where it is. There's the, obviously the other option that would be built up near the M54. They've had the issues with the uh, the temporary stand, which is now back from running. They're talking about having another 500 500 seater stand in the other corner. The issues as well with the Steve Bull stand with the fans there and the, you know, the queues and the, the concourses and the spaces. And um, Jeff Shee said on his um, on the, the talk with Jeff last year, he talked about Molyneux and he talked about the interest rates. Um, the one thing that I couldn't get from when he said that, the interest rates at the time were, to me, as low as they've ever been. Um, and... How long, how much has this been put on the back? Obviously, the pandemic's come in and other people would say, well, that's a good time to build it because, we've, you know, you've got no fans to displace. How much on the back burner do you think this Molyneux development is? What's happening with the uh, the council? Is there a... Because the plans are drawn up, apparently. What's happening with the council? Is the, is the problems with the council and the, and the land development and, and ASTA? Well, or, is that they've, or have they just shelved it? I don't think there were problems with land development. And it, in, in answer to building a stadium in a pandemic, I mean, I remember speaking to the club at the time and they were like, why on earth would we build a stadium when we can't have fans sitting in it? And we've got no idea how long this pandemic is going to last. And, and I guess I guess that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. I think their approach at the moment is, and, and, and interest rates, you're right, and, and I, I interviewed Jeff in September and, and, he, re, and he repeated that. Um it's on, it's on it's on the back burner but it is it is still on the agenda um and i think they're going to look at it every year basically and see where they're at financially and see where the squad is at and if the squad needs 100 million pounds of investment one summer then obviously you know they wouldn't want to be spending money on the stadium at the same time um and yeah it's <sighs> I, I I I don't know when I don't know when they do it, you know, because the stadium is full every week and they've got an eleven thousand seat seat season ticket waiting list already. So, personally, from a late from a very layman's point of view, I, I think they they obviously just need to get it done as soon as possible. I don't think there's any issues with the land, like I say, but they want to wait for the right financial moment to strike. Mm. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of things have been said in public, and I think. They're probably rowing back from that now and they don't want to be giving updates every few months um, because the situation changes a lot. Um, so I think they're just going to wait now until they're ready to properly push the button and, th and then and then, and then then we'll all find out about it publicly. But I don't think they want to be giving updates, you know, every few months. The corner stand, as you mentioned, between the Steve Bull and, um, and the South Bank, they put planning permission in for that. Then the pandemic hit. They haven't picked that back up again. I know they want, desperately want to make improvements to the steeple stand. Um, the way it was explained to me was that it would cost so much money to knock down and rebuild the steeple stand that it would take 20 years for them to that. see a, ret a return on that investment. And again, like I said, we don't know if Fosun are going to be here in 20 years and they're an investment company at the end of the day. Now, the fact that the steeple stand is sinking and literally is sinking... Yeah. Ever so slightly, but it is, and there's and there's brickwork in there from the Victorian days, and 
the executive boxes in there, and I've sat in them myself for a game, are just not fit for purpose for a League One club, let alone Premier League. And the concourses yeah. are terrible. I don't know mm. about the queues because I haven't sat there in a few years, but you still see people talking about that. The leg room, you know, it's just not fit for... It's not fit for purpose whatsoever, and people from the club have said that. So why they're not doing that, I don't know. But like I said, Jeff Sheet has, has stated, or the club have stated, that um, it would take so long to get their money back that they're hesitant to do it, and the pandemic's put everything on hold. But hopefully um, we'll get some kind of update soon. Do you want to comment on that, Paul or Bane? No, I just thought, you know, um, uh, the point that um, Tim makes right at the start, and you actually do actually realise, you know, finishing seventh twice and now being in a, in a similar position now. And actually, that is actually where we are. And and when you see the stadium rocking and it's full, you know, you don't want a situation where we haven't established ourselves yet on the pitch and then we build a 40,000-seat stadium and then we're, you know, we've got 5,000 empty seats. You'd rather have a packed uh, full stadium. But the Steve Ball, I'm a Steve Ball <laughs> season ticket holder and we get in early just to avoid the queues they have put in extra turnstiles they do they've done little improvements but it is pretty dilapidated but as soon as you sit on your seat and you watch good football i think people do forget about all that and that's that's the product isn't it that we've gone to see and 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 then i think that's the frustration the fans have they want to see that the investment then on the pitch we need a midfielder where is it we need the striker where is it because we're not doing it on the on the ground. So this summer, I see this summer especially, you know, being pretty key in, in certain areas. I think, you know, bringing in, I, I don't want seven or eight players bringing in. I, I just don't think it works. You've seen that with, you know, teams like Villa, you've seen it with Fulham, you know, they bought a boatload of players, spent 100 million quid, went, got relegated. You only need two, two a couple of quality players, just gives every everything and everybody a, list, a lift. So as long as we see that improvement on the pitch, you know, I, I agree the ground can happen when it happens, you know, and um, when we're in when we're in better times. And I think Jeff Shee using that percentage thing was just it was almost like oh, I'm going to tell him I'm going to tell him this because it is on hold and that's a good enough. And I don't think he really means that the uh, interest rates aren't low enough. I don't think. I think it's just that, that's on the back burner at the moment. So. This is what we're concentrating on. Uh, and, and we haven't got owners like Chelsea or Man City who treat their clubs a bit like a plaything, and it's a, a bit of a, a hobby for them. They are a company. They want to see a return. They want to put investment in and then want to see something back. And the pandemic and everything has clearly held them back, scaled their plans back. And that's what we've got. And it's still not bad. You know, OK, it's not... We, we dream of all these big players coming to our clubs and playing really well and competing. But it takes it takes a lot of time, effort and money and, and they're doing it their way. And as long as you see that improvement year in, year out, I think that's, you know, I look at the, the team from last year, virtually every player, you know, apart from maybe Raul Jimenez, who's struggled since his injury, every player has actually improved. You know, Samedo and Aitnuri couldn't defend. But they were good at attack. Now they're actually really good defenders. The back three, the goalkeeper position has improved. Martinho Neves of having better seasons than they've had for a couple of years. So there has been improvements on the pitch, and that's what we've got to focus on those improvements. And if Bruno can do that with the people he's already got, you know, what can Fantastic. he do? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I think, 
some good points there, um, Tim. I mean, obviously, want you to come back on some of those points with uh, with Manny. Do you still think it's completely off the table that uh, because you, you talked about if they do up the uh, the up the the capacity at Molyneux where it is, they've got and got to reduce it to start with, and you say they've got eleven thousand season ticket. Is it is it definitely off the table? Do you think of that? Keeping Molyneux where it is, and then moving to that brand new stadium just a little bit outside the city centre, which obviously caused a lot of alarm. Do you think that's well, off the agenda completely? Certainly, as as of well, the last last time I spoke to Jeff Sheen in September, it was off the table. I think I think they'd looked at that and realised realised that they can't and that they won't take walls out of their spiritual home. Um, I think Manny makes a really good point about improving the team before the stadium, which is something you know levelled at the previous owner. A huge criticism of Steve Morgan. That, that he built the stand instead of building the team. Um, but I would say, just on the steeple stand, I mean, it's, it, I don't know if bring shame, brings shame on the club is too strong a word, but like, it's honestly, it's absolute shambles. It really is. And like, to put the away fans in there every week, and that's their, that's their um, take of what Molyneux is yeah. like. You know, there's nothing outside the back of it. It's a terrible view. Um, I think, I think it affects the atmosphere because the, the away fans struggle to get, Chance spread going out. down there because the way it's spread out, and yeah, you yeah. might say that's to Wolves' advantage, but I don't know. I think it, I think it impacts the atmosphere. It impacts the seats right in the upper Steve um, upper Stan Cullis because they can't sell those seats in the corner because the roof's in the way. Um, and it, and even and the, the Billy Wright was built in like ninety three, ninety four, and that yeah, it's not- tired to me now. You know, the mm-hmm. carpet in there looks like you know yeah. stuff like that. But the corporate offering is just they just haven't haven't got it compared to other Premier League clubs, and we know how important that's going to be. Again, coming back to revenues, to for Wolves to make money, they've got to offer a much better corporate experience. Um, I've not done the the North Bank corporate experience, but I'm 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 sure that that's of a decent standard. But it's got to be reflected elsewhere in the stadium. Absolutely. And Paul, any thoughts on your thoughts on the Molyneux thing before we move on to a big question about Bowson's commitment coming up? Yeah, I mean, like you've said, the Steve Ball stand it's becoming more and more urgent as the as the seasons go on. What will be the tipping point for it. We don't know, but it's hard. It's hard for Fosun to win if they decide to spend a fortune on stadium redevelopment to the detriment of not signing more players and we don't do very well as a result. Everyone will moan about that. But on the same token, if they keep investing money into the team and they let the Steve Ball stand get worse and worse, then equally people won't be happy about that either. But what I will say is, that we're certainly not alone in the Premier League about having a poor stand. Leeds is a really good example. The away end there. I was actually frightened <laughs> recently. There's On the upper tier, there's one entrance and one exit to the seats. And mm. to me, it almost feels like a matter of time before something quite nasty happens there. Crystal Palace. Year of Torino Chris, away. Crystal Palace, Paul, and, and um, Goodison Park. Horrific. Everton was the one that I was just can't say. see anything. Yeah. I know they're moving, Everton, yeah. but my point was that we're not alone in this situation. Um, and like I said, it's just a difficult one that Fosun can actually win with it. But I think the time will, will have to come where the Steve Ballstand can't go on in its present mm. form. Someone's just asked a question about, um, you know, Man City have got this dedicated second stadium oh. for their academy and their women's. Um, it, it, they've asked about the women's team because... If they do get promoted, I hear that Castlecroft wouldn't be fit for the championship. That's what I'm hearing. I don't know whether that's true. So could you ever see 
you know, Fosun's commitment to building something for them, or would they just be playing, you know, maybe at Telford or Agborough or, you know, has anything ever mentioned about the women's development? Because um, they're doing fantastically, aren't they? Oh, they're doing That's what about the CKW Stadium, yeah, if they got yeah, the yeah. championship, it wouldn't, it wouldn't meet standards, apparently. Yeah, no, they wouldn't be able to to play there in the championship. Um, I'm sure that, well, they are. They're looking, obviously, looking at that issue right now. Not that promotion is guaranteed. No. If, if, if people, you know, for people who don't know, you know, if you look at the league well, yeah, table and they're absolutely smashing it, well, they'd have a one-off playoff against the, the, the winners the, yeah. winners of the Southern League at the end of the year. And um, Southampton, I think, the top of the league at the moment, and they're, they're supposed to be very decent. So promotion not guaranteed. But if they do get promoted, yeah, they can't play at Castlecroft. Um Telford, Agra, I mean, I don't think they'd want to go back to Hensford, you know, you know, they're yeah. left there for a reason. Um, as for a purpose-built stadium, I know that's something they've looked at in the past, you know, a dedicated um under 23 stadium. Um again, that's that's um it's a good question. Next time I'm I'm, I'm with Jeff or someone else, I'll ask what the latest is with that. But I'm guessing they assume that it's not financially viable at this stage. They've they've done a lot of work at Compton. People yeah. are I mean, people won't have seen. I, I, I haven't seen. I've barely. I've been to Compton today, but I've barely been for two years. But because um, of the pandemic, but they have built like eight, seven or eight full-size pitches, which reflect the same um, spec as Molyneux now. Yeah, awful lot of money invested, and they have actually got um, like a show pitch with um, with a few seats and a couple of dugouts. It's not mm. enough for like spectators, but enough for a few scouts or media or whatever. So, um, so they've made improvements at Compton, but yeah, I think um, a, pur- a purpose-built. Small facility for the women's teams, twenty-three teams would be would be absolutely perfect. Mm. And that would be something that you think they would have at Compton or somewhere else in the uh, the city. I, I don't think they'd be able to have it at Compton. Not um, just, ugh, even just just looking at it right now, there's there's no room yeah. there at the moment. So um, elsewhere in the city, I mean, you know, God knows. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Agra is a nice setup for the twenty threes, but it's not ideal going going sort of forty minutes down the road. No, um, and the pitch there, obviously really cuts up at this time of year with all the games that Kidderminster have got to play as well. So um, they had issues like that at Telford, which is why they left. Um, so, yeah, they could really do with a permanent solution to that one, as could a lot of Premier League clubs. And we'll come back on to a bit more on, uh, on Wolves women. The big question, um, now we're going to get into some transfer policies and some of the players. Um, you know what the full what some of the Wolves fan base are like. Everyone's got lots of opinions and some people get more frustrated than others about the perceived lack of investment from Foson. Um, a couple of questions here to, to clear up. First one is, um, is the, uh, the FFP um, handicap from the European Europa League still hanging over? Are we clear of that? And do you expect... Fosun to back Wolves strongly in the transfer market this summer. Uh, FFP, they're past that now, but it's it's never really been a big deal within the club. It's never been mentioned in any club accounts, for example. You know, we talk about club accounts today. It's not you know it's not like there's a line in there saying you know we were hampered by FFP this year. I think I think people have maybe maybe think it's a big deal than it is within within the club. Um, I don't think it's really hampered their spending. Certainly not from what I'm told. Um, in terms of spending this summer, um, I think they'll probably spend a bit more. There's more TV money this year. Um, they've made a little profit, as, as we talked about earlier. But it'll probably, if, if you're looking at big spending, then you're probably looking at big sales to help to help finance that. You know, they spent 169 million net spend in the first two seasons of the Premier League. Mm. 
that's net spend 169 million that was never going to continue every year and um and now you know i think we're looking at the sort of model of last summer when when in jota and jota and Doherty's sales financed the buys of Samedo and silver you know you, you can argue all night about whether they were the right additions for that money but that's the kind of um that's the kind of path that they're looking to go down they want a, they ideally would like a low net spend i think pretty much every year um to help this are we going are we going to spend 25 million on trinko tim that's another question that's high on the agenda. Twenty. Oh, we got it. I saw. I saw your tweet, Tim. I did um, on uh, Sunday saying that's the first time I've heard Trinko's name today well, on something. <laughs> Bruno spoke at Trinko and he said he adds he adds something different to the other wingers. He said, to be honest, Trinko is a winger who can do best as a third midfielder when I need that. Wolves obviously have the option to buy Trinko in the summer for twenty-five million. Um, what do you think of his performances, like what Manny says? And if we're going to buy, at what price, if any? I don't think they'll... T- I, I, I'd be amazed if they... Took this, this, someone will clip this up and, and tweet it when, when, when they buy him in the summer, but I'd be amazed if they spent £25 million on, on a fourth fourth choice forward. Yeah. You know, yeah. with Neto, Pedenz, and they've, they've bought Huang now. They've effectively bought him. He'll come in the summer. Mm. For a guy who's got no goals, no assists, and... He, he does a decent defensive job for the team, and that's why he plays. And his defensive numbers are good. He's made more interceptions than Connor Cody this season. And um, and I know Connor, you know, Cody sits in between the two centre halves, so he often doesn't see a lot of the ball. But um, but he he does more defensive work than the other forwards, and that's backed up in the numbers. And that's why he gets picked. Well, that's why Bruno picks him anyway. It's not why I'd pick him. Um, mm. I feel like the benefits of Pedence. And now Neto, in an attacking sense, far outweigh the defensive benefits you get from someone like Trincao, who, to me, um, he doesn't look well suited to the Premier League. I think I think he'd probably do really well elsewhere. And um, you know, a little bit like Bettini has done at Porto this year. Um, I just don't. I just don't think he's he's suited to um, to Premier League football. I spoke to someone who coached him when um, when Wolves signed him last summer. And they said his ability is frightening. And, and I've heard that from people at Wolves, that on the training ground, his ability is ridiculous. As in the things he can do with the ball. He, he's like a nutmeg king. He, he's, he's near near the top of the nutmeg charts in the Premier League. Yeah. So he's great at that. He's great at his fancy flicks. But the coach told me, he said, the only thing he really lacks is physicality. And I said, I remember saying to him, well, isn't that an issue in the Premier League then? And he said, well, hopefully his other attacking attributes will outweigh the fact that he's physically... Not particularly strong or, or or quick, but I think we've found that the intensity and the physicality of the Premier League has just just been too much for him. So um, uh, I'd, I'd I'd be I'd be surprised if they spent twenty five million on a fourth choice. Would they do something like what they did with Norrie? Because they obviously Eight Norrie was a certain figure, and then they got him for cheaper. Um, or would you Dave, just no no? Don't Dave, you know what I I I pretty Paul. Paul, go on, tell us. But I reckon you could pick up a better winger from the championship for about six million. I'm sure. <laughs> Prime example, right? Someone like Jared Bowen, goals, assists, wasn't particularly expensive. Where would we be this season now if Trinko had contributed similar numbers to what he's contributed? And we, we can talk about him being a good technical player. Sin flashes of it, maybe. But he's got the third highest discrepancy of expected goals basically he's he's missed more expected goals than um i think there's only two players above him and 
his final ball in never looks dangerous. So in no shape or form, I do not want to see him sign in the summer. And I think it's a very um, clear picture across the fan base on that one. I think, I think, like you know, he's 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 got his, his attributes and and whatever. Fine to be in the squad, but what annoys me is is how he started more than any other winger, mm. and then he goes and starts at West Ham when you've got Pedence on the bench and Neto. I know they're looking to ease him back on the bench, and and I asked Bruno afterwards, you know, why, why? so many changes today? <laughs> what, what was it fatigue and. and he, he he said no. He said he just wanted a bit more energy. Didn't call it fatigue. There was no me, I'd, I'd rather have Pedence at eighty percent than Trincao at one hundred. Personally, yeah, yeah. I think he made too many changes at the weekend. I think if he started with Pedence, even if he could have only done sixty minutes, um, it would just didn't really look like doing anything until they both came on. So, I think I mean, you know um, a few fans have mentioned like Bruno sometimes when he's made substitutions when we're chasing a game or made changes that sometimes he just thinks, let's throw everybody on. And there's been a couple of occasions where he's had everybody on the pitch without really any sort of pattern and, and you know, whether it's a bit of panic, uh, you know, trying to chase a game. And, and and that's what West Ham reminded me of. He just sort of... We're not Man City or Liverpool where we can just make five changes and go to West Ham and beat them. We're not. We can only make the odd change here and there and that be forced by injury like the Smedo one. And um, that was just a terrible decision. And we all crossed our fingers and, you know, to lose 1-0. And to be, as soon as we put our players on, we were stronger, you know, straight away. There is an, there is an argument, another argument on Trincao. Look at Samedo last year, how he was struggling to fit in and look at, at the impact that he's made. And obviously losing him when he got injured against Arsenal went off. And I think he's rumoured to be out for four to eight weeks, so he could have a better thing. But twenty-five million—I don't know. What, what do you buy into this? Because um, we want to move on from Trinko, because lots to talk about. But what do you buy into this swap deal for Adama? I just think that would be a really bad deal. Stop it, <laughs> Paul. Let, yeah, well, I think we've said everything we need to do. Um, we're talking that, about selling to buy, Dave, and if we're selling to buy Trinko, yeah, and then we're we're back to square one, then. You know, I don't think anyone will really be... Well, I actually gave him a bit of a chance. At the start of the season, I thought he did okay in the first... When we created all those chances. And he did have some mm. guilt-head chances, you know, in the first three games especially. And, and maybe if he had scored the odd goal, that would have had the confidence flowing. Or, you know, players need that. And as he's struggled on, it's just you look at him now and you think, we just can't... We're not, we can't have £25 million luxury players... Like Tim says, at fourth choice, sitting on the bench that might play occasionally. We just can't. Um, I just want to say we've got well over 200 watching live um, on the show. And obviously, if you're listening to this back on the podcast or uh, on Catch Up, thank you for joining us. And um, really appreciate you guys getting involved in the chat as well. Um, Remain Saiz and Joe Martino, key players out of contract in the summer. Do you think they'll get new contracts from Wolves? And why hasn't it done been done already, Tim? Uh, Saiz, I mean, they tried they tried last summer and, and he turned them down. Um, obviously, the situation was a bit different then. He's, he's, he wasn't playing every single week. So I think um, it's not just a case of offering one and he'll sign it. He'll want to look at his options. What is he, 30, 31 now? Um, are Wolves looking to sign a centre-half in the summer? You know, yes, they are, again, like they sort of have been doing every window. So if they go out and sign Sven Botman, 
you know, who they still hold a really strong interest in, then what happens to Saiz? You know, is he suddenly on the bench having signed a three-year contract? So, um, so yeah, they, they, but they, but you know, he's had the best season of his Wolves career and he's been here six years. So that, that's, you know, you don't say that lightly. And, um, and they, they do want him to stay, but I don't think it's just as simple as offering one and he will stay. And um, Ditto Matinho, um, you know, that's one, obviously his agent is George Mendes, which, which, which makes it a slightly different situation. And um, I'd expect he would probably want two years rather than, rather than maybe one that Wolves might be willing to offer him. So um, that's another one to look at, you know. Because there's rumours of him going to Roma, isn't there? With uh, his mate Patricio and Matinho, that's been... He won't, he won't be short of offers, but I think the key, the key thing is that they, they want Matinho around the place. He's, he's a massive, as you can imagine, massively influential in the dressing room. However... If Bruno's looking to change Wolves' style next season and go 4-2-3-1, I'm not saying Matinho couldn't do it, but if if people want him to sign Renato Sanchez, then all of a sudden Matinho might think, well, OK, I'm only going to start 15 games this season. I'll go to Roma or, or or wherever. So again, there's so many things that go into it rather than just Wolves saying, we want to we want to keep him and Matinho saying, I'm happy here. Um, there's also two others. I mean, Fernando Marcel... I would guess with with Wolves' options at left wing back, he'd be unlikely to stay, especially given his injury record. Yeah. And then John Ruddy, which this comes up every year, and <laughs> you know, um, such a good backup. And um, I guess that's a question for the player more than the club. Really, I think the club would like to keep him. Again, he's such a massive. He's a good. He's a good attitude around the around the around the pitch. Honestly, isn't he? just just unbelievable. He's unbelievable for that group. But the but I guess the thing with John is, you know, does he want to go out and play? It's been it's been four years now since he played regularly, so. But this 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 happens every year, so so uh, we'll wait and see. Fantastic. I don't, I don't think you you know fans would mind losing the likes of Sice and even Matinho and you know people like John Ruddy if we bring other players in to strengthen the team. That's the key, isn't it? And and if we bring those players in and Sice isn't going to play in a back four, let's be honest. You know, if we go to back four and that's what Bruno wants to do, and he brings in. And we've had Max Kilman playing brilliantly. So I ain't really going to get a look in. So, you know, to lose someone like him isn't the biggest thing in the world, even though he has played really well. Um, uh, so, you know, I think the the big the big player and Wolves, his minds, is Ruben Neves, isn't he? He's our star player. He's the one that's, you know, been here for five years, which we I can't actually believe that he's actually spent five years, you know, um, walking around West Park and Technopool and wherever else he goes, but he's he's been absolutely brilliant for us, and and that's the one we want all want to stay forever and ever. And probably we all know that one day, you know, some super club will come calling for him. Um, On Ruben Neves, Tim, how important do you think European football is next year to keeping him? I don't know about I don't know about next year. He'll want to go back to the Champions League one day. Um, you know, it's easy to forget he he swapped Champions League football for the Championship yeah. <laughs> to join Wolves. So he's, so he was thinking about his long term career. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been interest from him, you know, from from big clubs for a while, but they just haven't had the bid that they would have been willing to accept. You know, Arsenal last summer re- really fancied him. He was their first choice at one point, um, but they didn't come in with the money. So the the thing with Nevers is they've got to get him tied down this summer because they mm. cannot have another Traore situation. That was an absolute nightmare, and it was quite a public nightmare of, um, of of negotiations going on for fourteen months and ultimately coming to nothing. Um, mm. You know, I know, I know. Was it the value of his contract with uh, Traore that, or was it just that he wanted to go? Or... They offered him. 
they offered him a, a, a really massive amount of money. I think I think he would have been <clears throat> either the top or the second top earner. Um, but ultimately, he wanted to go, and ultimately he turned down and moved to Spurs because um, he didn't want to play at right wing back because he was desperate to go back to Barcelona. And, a, and a fair play for him for doing that. Wolves have made a risky move because there's no loan fee involved and um, Barcelona aren't paying his wages. But ultimately, not. you know, get, 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 no, then Barcelona no, are not. not paying his wages. I thought that they'd come out and said he was. So the Wolves are paying for his wages to go. Play yeah, but he's, but he's. I guess the point to make with with Traore is, is he wasn't earning. He's not earning a lot of money by by Premier League standards and by Wolves' squad standards. You know, he's on the same contracts when he as when he signed from Middlesbrough in 2018, when Wolves when Wolves were a newly promoted club. So it's 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 not a lot of money by modern standards. Um, but obviously. The start he's made at Barcelona is 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 the start that everybody wanted him to make because they really hope that even if Barcelona don't sign him, the form that he shows there means that there'll be a massive market for him in the summer and there just wasn't one in January. It was Spurs, Barca on loan or or nothing. But they've got to avoid that. I'm sure negotiations will be smoother with Neves, but they've got to avoid that situation happening again. He's got so back to Barcelona. Years, Sorry, yeah, 2024 is when his contract's up. Yeah. So uh, Traore really wants to sign for Barcelona. That's his team. That's where he's from. He rejected Tottenham to go there. What happens then if Barcelona say in the summer, we don't want to sign him or we can't afford to sign him? Is there any way where he comes back, signs a new contract and he becomes the Traore that we had in the Europa League season? Uh, I'd be amazed. I mean, I I think the deal, it's not been signed and it's not done. But if he continues to show the form that he has and he doesn't break his leg or whatever, then then he's going to go to he's going to go to Barcelona. It's basically everybody involved: Wolves, Barcelona, the agent, the player. They all want and expect this move to happen in the summer, basically. Um, so while it hasn't been signed yet, I would expect it to go through. Yeah, I mean, you're right on Neves. The the fans <clears> can <throat> forgive the club for not sorting out Traoré's contract and letting this situation happen. They won't forgive the club if Neves goes into the last 18 months of his contract. I think that is a situation that has to be avoided at all costs, whether he's whether he's sold for a massive fee in the summer, which we don't want, or ideally, new contract, five years, like Max Kilman. <clears throat> and it, it's not a topic of discussion that goes on all summer as a distraction. Yeah, we Very all want that, yeah. I don't think Neves, like Tim says, I can't see Neves dragging uh, negotiations. He just it doesn't seem like that type of guy. He'd nip it in the bud and say, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm happy with. And then, you know, I think he'd sort it out pretty quickly. Well, his interview, his interview on Wolves TV was really insightful. It was a great interview that Dave Edwards did uh, with him. And like when he was talking about his love for Wolves and how his family settled and how he wants to come back here in the future, when he eventually does leave Wolves, obviously it'll be on hopefully on good terms. And you, you you think that he really does love the club. I think he's very close with Connor and the rest of the team. He's very much part of the dressing room. He talked about it being the best dressing room he's ever been involved in. And you just hope that, like you say, Wolves can get that tied down. And then that gives Wolves the um, the contract that if the, someone comes in with a very big bid, they'll get the, uh, the money that they need for it and he'll be settled with his family. So let's hope that gets sorted out. Like you say, Tim, it goes into the last 18 months again. You're in, all the power goes with the player then, doesn't it? 
Yeah, but what I would say about Neves, he, he's a bit different to most other footballers. You know, he's he's very grounded. He's got what th- three kids already. He's twenty four. Yeah. Like and like I said, you know, he's he swapped the Champions League for the Championship, and and he and he, and he bought into the project. And like Manny suggested, you know, he, he wouldn't want to leave the club high and dry with, with a club yeah. price sale twelve months out from his deal. You know, he 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 loves he loves the club, and he'd want to keep the club's best interests at heart. I really I really do believe that. Fantastic. Um, Tim, this question here, this is to do with player registration. Uh, the new rules that are apparently coming in, Wolves are only allowed to register 17 overseas players in a 25-man squad. In January, we registered 15 overseas players. Neto and Chikina will be over 21 and have to be registered after the next window, I'm told. How do you think this will affect transfer policy and which players do you think will be moved on to make way for new talent? Who would be move on this summer? Um, that's a good question. Like I said, we've, we've, they've already got a couple of players potentially moving on out, out of contract. Um, I mean, they haven't got many many players spare to be moving on. I think we'll definitely see changes in midfield, whether that's Matinho, whether that's Neves moving on, whether that's Dendonka moving on. Um, and the other thing that's coming in this summer is is the loan rules as well, um, which is which is not going to affect them massively, but it's definitely something to. To, to note that you know they can only loan three players to Grasshoppers next season, for example, rather than the five they've already got there. Five, <laughs> about 15, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, plus the sporting director, plus whoever yeah. else. Yeah. Um, and his wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, terms of plans for, in terms of plans for the summer, uh, that hasn't been discussed yet, but they'll, they'll, they'll be well on top of, of those rules, Dave, and in terms of... Um, in terms of the squad makeup for next year, um, and they've got a lot of young players coming through from the twenty threes. Who'll, who'll be helping to fill out the squad as well, I'm sure. Talking I've about got a question as well to jump on. in on, on, on this. Um, before Tim, you mentioned about saleable assets, and we really don't want Neves to be in that category. Who do you see as potential saleable assets? Because I think this time last year we were talking about the likes of Vinagre. Are we now talking um, about the likes of Ryan Giles? Dion Sanderson, um, who do you see them using to, to raise a bit of cash? Is Morgan Gibbs White in that category for the summer? In terms of saleable assets, I mean the, the two the, the, the ones at the top end are obviously Trey Ray, who'd be what 30, 30 million. Kilman, you know, name your price tag really. It's it's almost mm-hmm. impossible for a for a kid who came in at what 75k or whatever it was. Um because he's only had half, he's only had half a good season. I know people are already thinking forty million for him, but I'm not sure anyone would pay that at this stage. But Kilman and then Neto, you know, they're they're your massive saleable assets. I mean, it changes every year. You know, we'd have said Jimenez a couple of years ago, and now you know he's 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 hit he's hit the thirty mark, and he's not quite the player he was last season. And then in terms of yeah, I mean, last season they did really well with Rafa Mir's sale, brought him in for one million, sold him for thirteen. That's the kind of business that that they really want to do, you know, with the twenty threes, with the players they bring in, they loan them out and they sell them on. Um, Owen Otisari, yeah, was another three three point five to Club Bruges, which is unbelievable business. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't kicked a ball for them. Um, and uh, yeah, I, the the two I would the two I would predict, um, Giles, they're gonna re- they're gonna really give him a go. Bruno's a massive fan. They were really reluctant to let him out on loan again. Um, unfortunately, he's, he's, he's out of the Blackburn team at the moment, or he was the last time I checked. Anyway, last couple of games he's been on the bench, which is a real shame. He but, came um, on and actually uh, affected the game, and they won it 1-0. He had a brilliant assist ratio, didn't he, yeah. at Cardiff? At Cardiff, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, he was, yeah, he was playing further up the field at Cardiff uh, on the left wing and, and made a great start. So, um, 
he'll be given a go. You know, with Marcel moving on, they'll see how Johnny does. Um, you know, there's potentially a gap there. I think Gibbs White. I think um, I think ideally they'd love Sheffield United to come up and make him a big offer. Um, right, I've got the money. You know, yeah. if, if, he, if he's going to be on the fringes of the first team, um, you know, Bruno's had a good look at him, gave him a full pre-season, gave him lots of minutes, and you know they still loaned him out. So I guess the thing with Gibbs White is has a season in the Championship transformed him as, as a player and taken him to the next level, or has he just found his level? Albeit he's doing exceptionally well. Um, and Sanderson again, you've got to look at the fact that. He, he had a really good look at him in January and he still decided to move him back out on loan again and he's kept Totti Gomez in, in the squad. So that, for me, suggests that um, he he might be vulnerable to a sale as well. So lots of big decisions to make in the summer. Like I said, you look at the squad now, 22, 23 senior players. They bring Gibbs, White, Sanderson and Giles in as well. There's just not enough room. So, so players will have to move on and you'd say that the ones that are out on loan at the moment will be the most vulnerable. Interesting. And what about um, Conor Ronan? <laughs> yeah, interesting one. Like he's 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 really again. Bruno really liked him when he came mm. back to Compton, and um, I'm sure I've heard Jeff Sheba say before that he that he absolutely loves him, but he's just never quite had that chance. Um, you know, his preferred position is a ten, which Wolves haven't really played. Gibbs White has suffered from that as well, with Wolves not really playing a ten. Um, I'm just I'm desperate for him to find a home. Really, um, I remember I spoke to him last summer, and, and he's been on loan to Portsmouth, Warsaw, Slovakia, Grasshoppers, um, and now St Mirren. I mean, it's yeah, been an ama- right. it's been an amazing journey for him, and I know he's I know he's embraced every challenge and he's loved it. But um, but I think he, I think he got he got engaged with his missus last year, and you know they're desperate to just sort of settle down with a home, really. And it's an aspect you don't really think about. So. I can't see him coming back to Wolves and, and, and getting a shot on the first team as much as I'd love him to. So hopefully with, with how he's doing well doing well at St Mirren, I mean, someone, someone just said there he did get sent off, but he has been doing really well. So hopefully he gets himself a really good move because he's a, he's a fantastic little footballer. Um, that's quite good, uh, quite good for you to say. M- uh, Manny, I mean, your thoughts on like Gibbs-White? Um... You know what, Morgan Gibbs-White, he's got something like seven goals or five assists or whatever it is. You know, and I look at someone like William Jose, he's got eight goals and four assists. We won't have him back, would we? And, and sometimes, <laughs> you know, the guy's got eight goals in the Liga. So, it, like, Adama Traore, he's gone there and he's got an assist every game and he couldn't get an assist a season for us, you know. And, and it's a different ball game, the Premier League. And so, you know, the Joels, the Sandersons, the Ronans, the... You know, are they going to get game time to prove themselves in the Premier League and then be up to that standard? And and we always are looking to try and bring in players that can hit the ground running and play for our team and uh, and and do really well, rather than you know develop themselves. Um, uh, so I just can't see any of those players. I think if we if that's the future and we're going to try and make those players work, then. That means we won't really be investing because we don't need huge amount. I don't think we need a huge amount. We've got good backup if everyone's fit, and it's just a centre half, a striker, potentially another midfielder. That's two or three good quality players. And if those players come in, then the Ronans and the you know those type of players will just be frozen out even more. So I agree. I can't really see a future for them at Wolves, where Wolves are. You know. 
the talent that they've produced is ridiculous. I mean, if if yeah. Wolves was if Wolves were in the top half of the Championship, if, that, if they're where they've been for for the, most of the past forty years, you know, yeah. you'd have Gibbs White in the team, you'd have Sanderson, Giles, Ronan, Kundal. You know, they're producing really, really good players, but but the standard is obviously is just so high to get into that Premier League squad. You know, Kundal, you know, he's made that one start, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got sent out on loan, you know, next season. It's just, it's it's so hard for the for the academy. They're doing a fantastic job and there's a really good group coming through. You know, people who will have followed the 18s this season, they're having a great run, really talented bunch. But would you put money on more than one or even one of them becoming a who, Premier League? Who stands out for you in the, uh, in the, in the actually 18s? Obviously, They've done amazing. I think it's Wolves' first FA Cup youth run since to the semi since something like two thousand and four. Who stands out for you, Tim? Um, I mean, a lot of them are playing for the twenty threes already. You know, yeah. they're not actually, you know, um, and the eighteens are having a good season on their own. If they win all their games in hand, they'll be second in the table. So, yeah. Um, and I'm told the sixteens are, are pretty handy as well that are coming through. In terms of the eighteens, um, Nathan Fraser up front. Lad from Technol just turned yeah. seventeen. Has scored five Rapid. goals in six. Um, really come on physically in the past few months. Worked a lot on his physicality. Spent last summer in the gym, and um, and, it, and he look he looks it. He's a good finisher, um, decent pace, decent skill. He looks pretty good. Harvey Griffiths in midfield looks like a real unit. He's running the show. Um, Ollie Tipson in defence. There's a lot of local lads in there, you know. And um, Steve Davis is doing a great job. Um, people remember him formerly at Crew. Crew, yeah. Um, you know, to have him, they got Darius Vassell, still a, stri- a striker, got striker coach in that setup as well. You know, so that they've got a really good um, setup there. If anyone is free next Wednesday night, uh, I urge you to get yourselves to Old Trafford for that semi-final. Um, Wolves are putting on um, free free, t- free tickets with three pound coach. Is it? Yeah, yeah, three pound to the the feed our pack appeal. So it's basically free. It's all donated. Yeah, you know, it's so. brilliant. I, you know, uh, Dave. I think yeah, two thousand five was the last time they made the semis. That was when they had Wayne Hennessy, uh, Mark Davis, uh, Mark Little as well, and Southampton had like Walcott, Lalana, Leon Best, and others. So uh, the last time they got to the final was I think the seventies. They've only won it once in the club's entire history. They've only won the Youth Cup once. And that was when they beat Jimmy Greaves and Chelsea in 1957 or 58. Wow. So it's so yeah. it's so rare. I think it's I think massive achievement for the club. That, you know, they'll be shouting it from the rooftops if they beat next beat Man United next what week. What do you think the odds are against you? Because I mean they weren't big favourites against Tottenham and they spanked them 3 0 because Tottenham were huge favourites, wasn't they? At the time? Yeah, definitely. I think they're above Man United in the table, I'm right in saying. Yeah. Although, like yeah. I said, because a lot of these guys play for the 23s every week, the under 18 table kind of tells a few lies, really. But um, it's just a shame it's away from home and it's it only is. one leg. So, I think it's a semi final, you know, but at, at Old Trafford, because obviously it's a home game for United. But I believe if Wolves did get through the finals, actually at Molyneux, isn't it? Well, it's, it's ridiculous, Dave. It's like they, they, changed, they changed the rules for the pandemic, which makes complete sense because um, before it was two legs. But now it's gone down to one. I mean, great for Wolves if they're at home for the final, but it'd be massively unfair on the opposition, I think. But yeah. that's yeah. that's the rules this year. So, yeah, it's a one-off game at Old Trafford uh, next Wednesday, 7pm. I take it you'll be there, Tim. Yes, mate, absolutely. Yeah, really look forward to it. They've got a fantastic group this year. So, yeah, I, I, I'm desperate for them to get through. Fantastic. We heard it there. Try and get let's try and get as many there on when, next Wednesday at Old Trafford. Um, Paul, you've got a question for Tim about Raul. We spoke earlier that you wanted to ask. Yeah, it kind of hurts me to ask it, actually, because we all love him. 
It's probably one of the greatest. Fifteen minutes left, by the way, because Tim's got on a call with America at uh, nine, so we've got to finish Bangkok. Yeah, it's probably one of the greatest players we've ever seen wear our club's colours. I want your opinion on: Do you think his lack of output in terms of goals, assists, is that down to him being a victim of the style of the team, or is there another underlying issue along the lines of he might not be? the same player that we had um, just over a year ago? Um, in terms of output, five goals and three assists is the most in the squad by three. So he's got more goal involvements than I think the next one is Huang, who's on five goals, no assists. So Raul's on five goals, three assists. If you take, There's a few winners in there as well. So I think if you take his goals out of it, there's a lot of points left on the table. So I obviously his numbers are down because... Um, the numbers he had in 2019-20 were just ridiculous. I mean, he was one of the most complete strikers in Europe. Um, but to say, honestly, like, you know, Twitter, Twitter is Twitter, but to see to see people saying he should never play for the club again or whatever, I just find it... Oh, honestly, yeah. honestly yeah. just watch that documentary and give your head a shake. I mean, honestly, it's just it's just absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Um, so in, 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 ter- in terms of him and his, his contribution to the team... What I would say, and what Bruno's spoken about, interestingly, is that the headband he now has to wear for the rest of his career has affected his head inability. Mm-hmm. So Wolves have gone from being the second highest crosses in the league to the second fewest. So only Leicester put in fewer crosses into the box than Wolves. And a big reason behind that is that is that Jimenez, in terms of how he heads the ball and the precision of where he puts it... He hasn't got the feel, has he? You've seen a few headers that he's got frustrated. He put wide. Well, I, probably last year he would have put in. I, I, I missed the game in question, but I think was it Southampton at home when he when he yeah. when he took his headband off at the end. Brentford, sorry, Brentford, and yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's not like he doesn't want to head the ball because he's actually winning more headers than he's ever won in his Wolves career. You know, mm. a lot of those in his own box. You know, his, his, his heading numbers are way up, but in terms of the precision. It's just not there. So that's um, so hence why they've changed their style. Um, and he's playing a different role this year. I think if anyone had been out for nine months with a very serious injury, and you know, we'll, we'll watch closely how Johnny is in the next few weeks, mm. it's going to take you an awful long time to get back to your best. Um, if you've nearly died on the pitch, then that's, that's going to take an emotional toll as well. So I think considering what he's done for the club and the kind of person he is, and the kind of talent he is, what he needs from everybody right now is support, not we need a new striker, not let's get him out of the team. And if, if fans think that, oh, Jimenez will never see that, you know, when they post it on Twitter, players see everything he's done. It must really hurt that, you know, if you've seen that. Well, you know, I noticed that at the end of West Ham, he was straight down the tunnel. Um, he was he was immediately down the tunnel straight after the game. And I don't know if he's seen any, seen any of the criticism that's been knocking around recently. Bruno's seen it and he's mentioned yeah. it. Um, uh, he mentioned that he noticed him and Dendonka had got a lot of stick on Twitter. So <clears throat> the manager sees it. I wouldn't be surprised if Raul sees it as well. So I think 100% he, he sees it. it. You know, he does. I mean, I made the point, you know, we've only scored 26 goals, Dave, and people don't understand. So we're not score- We're not a goal scoring team. We Actually, our goal scoring is relegation form. It's, yeah. you know, it, let's be honest, 26 goals is relegation. So in that, he's got five goals and three assists. He's actually probably got a higher percentage of involvement, even with, with all these problems. 
because we've scored such a small amount. So he's he's a bit victim of the style and the players he's had around him and and the, the players who have been you know not delivering. And I think if he had if we had Neto and Pedence fully fit this season and playing from the start the whole season, then Jimenez's numbers would go up. I think even with also, his problems. Yeah. I, th- I think he suffers from a bit of a lack of a partnership as well. He had Jota in his first season. He had Traore yeah. in his second. And, and you know, we spoke him. before, you know, about the, the, the rotation they've had either side of him. Um, yeah. They tried they tried to put Pedence in the 10 in a 3-5-2. But then I think that takes away a bit of an attacking element from the rest of the team. So, you know, th- th- they're trying. Um, yeah. And, I, I, you know, the quality will always shine through. And he, and he, and he works harder than anybody. So, um so patience, which is in short supply, is um, is is needed. I think. Hundred percent, and I think that you know you you if he'd have said when it happened that he would be back playing at Premier League football level, you know he does add a lot to the team in the way he links up the play, holds up the ball. He's still running and chasing everything down. Um, you know, I mean, Harry Kane went through something like a nine-game spell, didn't he? Not without scoring. It happens to every striker. Uh, but he still popped up at um, Tottenham. We took that chance so well. So he's still got that finish in him. Tim, uh, what are your thoughts on Fabio? Obviously, he came in on the 35 million. He's had a bit of stick. Um, I think he looks stronger this year. I thought he was one of our best players at, at the weekend of West Ham. Yeah, I thought I thought he showed really good enthusiasm, actually, which which was lacking from some of the others and, and, and brought energy, you know, where, where others didn't. Um, Thought he was really unlucky that he came up against Kurt Zuma, who had the best game I've ever seen him have, um, and just blocked everything that came his way. Um, so, um, so that was unfortunate. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing with Fabio again, just that word patience. He's the type of player that he is. You know, he's not the quickest, and he's not the most skillful. So it's not like it's an eighteen-year-old winger coming into the team. You know, like Chiquinho or someone who can who can show some flashy moves and get the crowd going and show some potential. He's a striker who's going to enjoy playing with his back to goal. Um, and he's not, like I said, he's not that quick. So when is he going to hit his peak? I don't think he hits his peak for many, many years to come, to be honest. And I think if you look at where Raul Jimenez was when he was 19, nowhere. And and it took until moving to Wolves age 27 for Jimenez's career to really lift off. Mm. So I don't want to say wait eight years for Fabio Silva to come good. But at 19 is not going to be the finished product. But Wolves have Wolves have created a problem for themselves there because they've spent so much money on a on a second choice striker who, who's a kid. So so w- what do they do now? They had a little dabble with sending him out on loan in January. But if he goes out on loan and um, and scores no goals in 10 games or something like like Patrick Catroni, yeah, it'd be a, a disastrous spell for his career really, and his value, which is already pretty low, is just going to go through the floor. So they need him to start contributing and improving at some point in the next year to 18 months before they decide what they're going to do with him long term. You know, because like I said, Fosun are all about value, value for money, buying players cheap, increasing their value. If I look at Fabio Silva's value right now, it's not very high. So um, they need to decide what they're going to do with him. Um, there's a really good player in there. I think um, I think he's fantastic at getting in shooting positions, and um, and he could have he was close to scoring sort of six, seven, eight, nine goals last season. And then yeah. I think you know he really was. I know he missed a couple of sitters, but he was really close to scoring quite a few. And um, and if he'd done that, we'd we'd be talking about a superstar, wouldn't we? And he'd be getting loads of attention. So um, so yeah, he needs regular football. 
whether he gets that now or at Wolves, that's a big decision for the summer. Fabio isn't Fabio's problem. It's Wolves' problem. You know, the 35 million should, you know, gets labelled in against it. He's 18-year-old. I've got a son, 18-year-old. You know, every every day, that 18-year-olds change. They get stronger, they get fitter, they get brighter. And they do things year on year. And he's, his growth will come. And it's just whether we've got the patience, you know, because we bought him for a, the money we bought him for. He should have, we, we wanted the finished article for 35 million, not, you know, work in progress. And it's not his fault. I think he's improved massively. He looks stronger, he looks fitter. Kurt Zuma, like Tim said, he's a beast of a centre half and to play up against him. And I actually thought in the second half, he was sort of getting the better of him, you know, and in, in, in got into two or three positions where he, there were half chances, but he could have he could have nicked a nicked an equaliser. So you know, they're definitely a player there, and he's one that if we do let him go and he goes somewhere else, I think you know when he hits his peak, he will become a really really good player. And I just hope he's still with us. But you know how that happens, only time will tell. Or well, will there be a moment where he where Bruno thinks, okay, maybe Jimenez is a bit isolated at times. Maybe he needs to try and develop a partnership. Could that person be Fabio Silva? I don't know what the stats are, but I think they've hardly spent any minutes on the pitch together at any point. And I wonder if that relationship was given a chance to develop, could it be something that that works well for us? I would say, you know, in terms of um, a head coach to get the best out of him, then, um, then Bruno's that man, I think. You know, you look at what he did with someone like uh, Jao Felix <clears throat> or the host of players he's worked at at different youth levels. Bernardo Silva, Cancelo. Some to Ruben Diaz, did he? Or? Ruben Diaz as well. Yeah. Renato, <clears throat> some guy called Renato Sanchez as well. So, you know, he's, he's worked with all of them at, at various age groups and... Um, and he'll be working. He'll be working really closely together. What's the backroom staff like, um, Tim, compared to Nuno's reign? Because you got Tony Roberts. Tony Roberts. You got his brother in there, Lewis. You know, and, and and Tony Roberts seems really vocal, and he connects with the fans on on Twitter and stuff, and he, he likes to have a. You know, are they? What do you think of them? Yeah, I mean, with COVID, it's just been impossible to spend time with people. You know, yeah. Wolves are still Wolves are still in, in a. Wolves are still sort of in a bubble, and they've got red zones mm-hmm. at matches, you know. So it's it, in terms of contact, it's 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 um it's been almost impossible. Like things are starting to open up, but yeah, t- I have interviewed I interviewed Tony Roberts in person, and um, mm-hmm. he, he's a he's a fantastic character. He really is. Yeah. Um, and people, he, he's he's sort of old school in, in 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 that in that approach, but in terms of his methods, you know, he's extremely modern and forward thinking. <clears throat> and Wolves went from conceding. 14 from set pieces last season to now, I think it's three, although they had the recent glut of three and three games. Mm-hmm. But that's down to Tony Roberts, who's, who's worked, who works on that as well. He's, if people don't know, you know, as well as goalkeeping coach, he's, um, he's set piece coach and he does a lot on the touchline as well. People might see him um, during matches. So yeah, there's, there's a few interesting characters in there. Like you say, man, he's, he's, his brother's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a very young analyst in, in his early 20s as well. Um, I see a couple of the analysts come up and watch the game in the press box by me as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, looking forward to meet, to meet them all properly, really, and get to know them better. But but a very hardworking, analytical bunch is how I would sum them up. Fantastic. Brilliant. And we've literally just got five minutes to go. Um, last five minutes of the show, because as I say, Tim has got um, a, a work call with the the USA because he's on a slightly different time zone that he's got to get off for. Um, so. Final thoughts, uh, Tim, um, on the, the remainder of the season. And like 
who's your player of the season so far? Uh, God, that's a good one. Um, uh, the three I've thought of for the past few months were Saar, uh, Neves and Kilman. Probably... Pretty much the whole fan base would probably say so, the yeah. same. <laughs> I think they really stand out, don't they? Yeah. Um, you can make a case for a couple more. Saïs has had a great season. Like we said, Cody's had a really great season as well. Season. He's been his best season, um, Cody. Samedo's awesome. been much improved. Eight Nori's been a bit of a revelation for me as well, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Samedo's had a good season, like you said, yeah. Yeah, I'd it's say... I'd say um, season when it was just Neto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only, yeah, one, exactly, yeah. only one person. Um, probably Saar, just because he's... Not only has he been in the top three keepers in the league, probably, but he's also he's also changed how Wolves play, which is which is something we've never really seen before. I think at Wolves, um, in terms of in terms of their aggression on the front foot, in terms of being a sweeper keeper, he's, he's so different to Patricio, and he's re- he's changed the way that other players have played as well. You know, Connor Cody used to come and, and drop deep on the keeper's toes constantly, and, and doesn't have to do that now, uh, which I think has helped him defensively. Because there's less of a there's a smaller gap behind him for him to worry about because he knows Sars going to mm. be off his line. So little mm. stuff like that, I, I think he's been um, he's been a revelation and he's a good character as well. So for honestly, six point eight million pounds, I mean, unbelievable! <laughs> it's crazy, and it and it's is. sort of you know we, we talk about Silver and Samada being overpriced and yeah they were, but the amount yeah. of bargains that George eight Nuri, ten million oh. quid, you know, honestly, yeah. you know, Matinho for. Tino for five, was two million or whatever, and now yeah, Saar for six point eight. It's just um, one of the signs of the century. That is right. Just finally, thanks to everyone uh, that's been watching the chat. We've got you know been up around about two hundred and fifty watching the whole show, which is amazing, which is fantastic. And I know lots of you will watch this back. Um, you know, on the catch up, it'll also be out on the uh, Always Walls podcast. Uh, so if you're travelling. Uh, anywhere driving at work you can listen to it back on there and, and watch it back um obviously we want to send our thanks uh to tim um for coming on the show manny and paul thank you as well for your contribution been absolutely brilliant um as phil painter says here uh, many thanks uh, dave manny paul tim very informed great q a session thank you very much um you know joe saying been really insightful great work tim um, and also, Joe says, great reading The Athletic. Just quickly, Tim, if people want to get uh, onto your content out on The Athletic, how can they, uh, how can they do that? Oh, God. Uh, just, just, get to, just get to the website. Or I'll, I'll stick links on Twitter all the time. So just, um, just follow one of them. I'm sure there's some kind of introductory offer if people want to give it a go. So, uh, so yeah. No, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been, uh, it's been great. Brilliant. Who's it? Before you go, who's your front three for Saturday? Alex? <laughs> uh, I think I think Neto will start and yes. um, and I think Pedence will start as well. Who's a striker? Oh, I think I think Jimenez. Yeah, really? yeah. Okay, All right. fantastic. Th- thank and you. they'll win. They'll definitely win. And yeah, they've got, they've got the next six are against bottom half teams. So there's you know there's a good little potential. And we've and we've done well against the bottom half teams this season, haven't we? So let's let's keep it going. You know, it's not all lost. And and Europe still still within touch. If we put a string of results, anything still possible. Still a th- almost a third of the season to go. If you've enjoyed That's the, the spirit, video, Dave. That's the spirit. You've got to be positive. You've got to believe. Dave, in. we will get through, and we'll get three Ukrainian sides in the in the <laughs> in the first rounds, won't we? That's what will happen. <laughs> if you've enjoyed the video, please smash a like. Uh, and I say you can follow Manny, Paul, uh, and. Tim, I saw on Twitter there was a, the, actually Tim, there was an offer from The Athletic, I think it's for a pound, 
to get involved. You um, know better than me. I'm no salesman, Dave. You, you know better than me, mate. I saw that on Twitter earlier on. So there's an offer on at the moment. So grab that. It's some brilliant content. Tim does a lot of really good stuff on there. I'm a subscriber myself and, um, you know, absolutely brilliant. Thanks for everyone in the chat. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Manny. Thanks, yeah. Tim. I'm going to shut it down because I know you've got your call to America at 9pm. Hopefully, Cheers, you'll come on again in the future. I know you're going to do the uh, your Wolves 11 at some point with us. Brilliant. Yes, Cheers, mate, pal. Thank you. Thank you. Always See you soon. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates are already booked in for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.